Okay, party people in the house, you're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. It is my pleasure, it is my treat, it is my honor to introduce to you the man that needs no introduction. Of course you don't need an introduction or else you wouldn't have fought the goddamn podcast. Ladies and germs, get ready for the E-double-E, a.k.a. Kid Dynamite! A.K.A. The Magnificent with the Sensational Style. A.K.A. The nigga from last year. A.K.A. Stop. Hold up. Pause. Quit. Change the groove and fuck it up a little bit. Who the fuck is this E? Temperamental, I snap quick, very touchy. The E double E double E. Over and over, you can call me though. You're taking it easy. Who the fuck is this E? Cocky, crazy ill man, rowdy. Stay awake and watch the show I take, cause right now. Who the fuck is this? Oh, you didn't know? Let me break it down for you again. I'm like Zorro, I'm all in your your back. Your ass better call somebody. Rub your titties if you love the E-double-E. Guess who's Bazak? Put out the word. Incredible, I mix up shit like cake mix. And if you don't know, now you know. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. action here this week on the superstars of wrestling. Hello everyone, Vince McMahon at ringside, along with Bruno Sammartino, wrestling's living legend, and of course, the ever-present Jesse the Body Ventura. In just a moment, we'll give you a look at who's on the card this week. Welcome back to the show, Thank you for listening and retweeting and, and, and posting and whatever you're going to do after you listen to this. Anyway, let's get on with the show. I'd like to introduce my guest. This guy's no stranger to podcasting. He's no stranger to uh, this podcast. Or he's no st- <laughs> Yet he's a stranger. Um, <laughs> I do right around in a van, folks. Yes. Uh, hashtag stranger danger. <laughs> I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC. No hashtag KT. Yeah. Um, he, put, he puts the gorilla in monsoon. He's, right. he's reeking of Cote Wild Musk. Uh, A.K.A. Bored Alfred Hayes. <laughs> um, um, the, the number one representative of... 1877 Cars for Kids. KARS <laughs> Cars for Kids? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, classic material. Hey, 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 cut the music. <laughs> what I like right now is for all you fat, out of shape, podcast EDP platypuses, keep the noise down while I turn my mic up and show you ladies what a real podcast guest is supposed to sound like. Oh, no. Now hit the music. 
Why am I airbrushed right there? <laughs> I ran out of Cheryl Roberts tights, so you know I got to have this eclectic, uh, the eclectic special made. Hashtag uh, pelvic sorcery. Yes. <laughs> Gentlemen, Mr. Materia, uh, welcome back to the show. Hey man, it's good to be back. Uh, I've, I've lost count, but I think this is either five or six time uh, guest. Uh, so take that twelve pal, uh, take that Spinderella, if I may. Uh, you know, like Talk Talk Man is the greatest intercontinental t- champion of all time. I will be the greatest guest of podcast EDP of all times, and uh, don't you forget it, folks. Shots fired. Um, Ladies gold. Do, do, do you have a do you have a shot left over for Rashani? Who? Oh damn. <laughs> Today's episode, we're talking WWF superstars. Now, this is 1986 to 1993. This is pre-Attitude Era. Yep. This is when we were growing up and we had the rubber, rubber uh, figures, and there's a whole bunch of things going on with you, with, with the gimmicks and and um, the, the inception of entrance music and everything. Now, with that being said, what are your memories of the WWF in that that time span, that era? Well, I mean, you're talking about the '80s and the really coming off of uh, the first WrestleMania, which was in '85. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, that tag team match in the Rock and Wrestling era. So from '86 onward, it was just bananas because wrestling was at its peak of popularity. And we were getting all kinds of awesome moments um, and gimmicks and characters. Um, you know, you had the rock and wrestling TV show, the cartoon show was, uh, you know, a big. Hulk Hogan was huge. He was a massive megastar coming off of uh, WrestleMania, of Rocky, and all other things. Uh, then you had, like, you know, big names like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And then you had, like, you know, those heroes. You had villains. You had, like, uh, you know, the Honky Tonk Man and uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, and you know, and then the, later on it was the Ultimate Warrior. So you had all these like great characters coming in, and uh, then you had like awesome shows. Not only you know the superstars of wrestling or WWF superstars on uh, the Saturdays, you know, and then Wrestling Challenge I think came on like Sundays, mm-hmm. uh, but you also had like Saturday night's main event and then, like, different specials. Uh, then you had uh, the pay per views. And even if you didn't have cable or, you know, if you couldn't call your cable provider or your satellite provider. Uh, for your closed circuit TV. But there you go. You can just go by a friend's house and watch, you know, pay-per-views. And pay-per-views, it was not just WrestleMania. It was like WrestleMania. Then it became like uh, Survivor Series, a Thanksgiving night tradition. Back when it was on Thanksgiving night, you can finish your meal so quickly. <laughs> just so you can get in front of the TV and watch like, you know, the, the, the Survivor Series match. This was back when your um, satellite dish was the, was the size of small garages. Yeah. So that was like when the Hulkamaniacs would go up against like the Macho Madness, Team Macho Madness or something like that, you know? They totally ruined the format. That was great when you had your team. They would go around recruiting for teams and people would say, nah, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And like some of the teams would have tag teams on them. So like it gave them something to do. And it was a great way to fill the roster. And also SummerSlam. Um, you know, Survivor Series was one thing because that, you know, you had your Survivor Series team matches, but you also had SummerSlam, which was basically like right after WrestleMania, still the big moment in the summer. 
you know, where you had your big pay-per-view event. And also the Royal Rumble. Oh, you know, the 30-man over-the-top battle royal, which was also great at the beginning of the year. Uh, King of the Ring started to come in. Um, and that gave way to a lot of different uh, opportunities for other superstars. And, uh, other like Harley like Race? King, Harley, King Harley Race. Uh, Macho King Randy Savage. Uh, you know, King Hacksaw Jim Duggan. King Haku. Oh, my God. <laughs> from the island of Tugger. You know, so all these big names, uh, managers were awesome. Uh, you had like uh, you know, Jimmy Hart and, you know, the sensational Queen Scary Sherry. and uh, d- you know. uh, Johnny Valiant. Yeah, luscious Johnny Valiant. Uh, you know, Fred Christ, Classy Freddy Blassie. So I was like, I mean, and everybody knew what was going on. Like, because everyone watched. Mm-hmm. Even, like, you know, uh, our friends, like, that lived in the South that had, like, uh, NWA and later WCW, they knew what was going on because WWF was the big name. That was what was on your regular free TV. Mm-hmm. So I would we would watch wrestling and go to school and, like, you know, play wrestling, you know, with our friends and stuff and jump off the top rope. I'm Macho Man and do flying elbows and all the stuff that they told tell kids not to do at home, we were doing. So, like, yeah. um, so you would go... You would go outside and one of your friends would be like, I'm Macho Man. And then your other friend uh, would be like, well, I'm Hulk Hogan. And the other friend would be like, I'm Ricky Steve on the classic would be like, well, I'm Uncle Elmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm King Kong Buddy. You know? No, uh, but uh, on a serious note, I've seen plenty of kids get brain damaged. Uh, playing wrestling in the street because one of them wanted to play Jake the Snake Roberts and like I'm a DDT you on concrete on the sidewalk and hey look the head you know the human body's not supposed to bounce off the uh, concrete floor like that oh, so man, way to bring the room down yeah yeah but uh, well, let, and and listen uh, kids mm-hmm. if you're gonna go do this on the concrete and you know I'm I'm for it um, hardcore match yeah uh, it's not a DDT if you do not smack the back. You gotta smack that back. It was like, you know, basically Jake the Snake had an artistry to the move. And, and that was another thing, too, was it wasn't just the wrestling moves in the ring, but it was also like the whole gimmick around the character. They had vignettes. You know, before Mr. Perfect debuted, you had like little videos showing, hey, this is why I'm perfect. He would throw a football to himself and catch it on the other end of the, of the football field. This is before Fine. Yeah, he or he would shoot like uh, you know thirteen baskets in a row or play half, you know, half court. Yeah, sink sink the uh, sink all the balls at, at the pool hit table at the billiards. You know, so it was like all that, and you're thinking, well, this is awesome. This guy is perfect. And, but I was thinking, how? What the hell does this have to do with wrestling? Uh, but at the same time, it was like that hype got you so ready to see this guy when he debuted, and uh, you know you got to know the characters. And it wasn't just the wrestlers and the managers, but the commentators. You had Jesse the Body Ventura, you know, uh, you know, with the feather boas, and he had always had on an earring, uh, some kind shade. of weird uh, glasses, shades. yeah, tie-dyed shirts. Or you had Vince McMahon uh, with uh, what a maneuver. I was you hoping know. we would get the uh, the classic McMahon impersonation. Oh no! And here's the thing: I thought Vince McMahon was the awesomest back in the day because he called everything, mm-hmm. but. Like with the WWE Network and watching that now, and you know, I got I paid I paid my nine ninety nine, folks. Uh, so I'm watching that. Anytime I see him in one of these old matches, and this isn't before Mr. McMahon, but back when he was Vince McMahon. Yeah, this is when we just thought he was some uh, crumb 
uh, commentator. We didn't know he owned the whole yeah. The whole thing. I, I didn't know he was signing the checks. I thought he was like you know punching a clock like everybody else. And he had on like he had on the same tuxedo with like the red little bow tie. Every, every it, it didn't matter if it was like superstars or wrestling challenge or some like house show on a Tuesday night. He had on a tuxedo. <laughs> you know him and Mean Gene and Howard Finkel were the only ones that wore tuxedos. Everyone else just wore suits or you know whatever just he wore. And he would always call the match the same way. It was. You know, most most announcers would call the match and Brutus the Bar of Beefcakes in the ring and, you know, Colin will tie up and to the Irish Whips and Rose. Vince McMahon would call the match. And here we start the match, and here's Brutus the Bar of Beefcake making his way down to the ring, and he's going to Colin will tie up, and he gets on oh, what a maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... And, and that's the thing with Vince. He knows wrestling. I mean, heck, heck, he grew up around the sport and he inherited the company from his father and everything. And he bought all these other territories. He knows the moves, but he refuses to call them. All he does is go, what a maneuver. What a fan, what a devastating maneuver by Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yeah, and we'll get to Brutus Beefcake later on. But, oh, uh, come on. Yeah, when we talk about like overrated wrestlers and How stuff. How dare but, you? Oh, come on, dude. Come really? On. Not, not, come on. Not Zodiac. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. But so, yeah, pro wrestling was the shit, folks. Oh, other than God. other than ninjas and superheroes in the <laughs> 1980s, it was all about pro wrestling. Yeah, you're right. Because we did have our throwing stars. <laughs> and we and we would, we would mm. pretend we had capes. Um, the the Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Live, the Saturday Night Man event with uh, yeah. when, when Oka Elmer got married. Yeah. Uh, shouts to um, uh, cousin Luke mm-hmm. and uh, Granny Kim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Hillbilly family was incredible. It was man. <laughs> we were dancing jigs in the in the ring every time they came to the, the ringside and everything. Barefoot. And that yeah. Um, <laughs> um. Well, this era, this this eighty six ninety three era. Who are your, your five favorite wrestlers to watch? All right, this was tough because I've got a lot of favorite wrestlers, but you know, in terms of wrestlers that I enjoy watching their matches, mm-hmm. I'd have to go with um, number one, and that, the number one's easy: Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Because you Shouts know, to the, the ring bell. Yeah, but to do what he did, I like to ask him a general question, Savage, and that is. Coming off the top rope with a 20-pound bell, let me ask you something, my friend. How much control do you do you feel, do you think you had jumping off the top rope and coming down on my throat with that bell? Well, Ricky, there's no question from that height with a bell, there's no way he had any control whatsoever. That's understandable, and that's the reason why I talk the way I do. It's your fault. And the reason I feel the way I do towards you, Savage, it's also your fault. I'm not crying over spilled milk. Believe me, I'm giving you warnings. Warnings, my friend, that wherever we should meet, talk to some of my opponents and what they've done to me in the past. Kenny, you've seen them. When this dragon gets on fire, his opponents burn. Because he had the martial arts gimmick, and he would come in and do like you know. And the thing was, he was not like really a great martial. You know, he wasn't like a you know. He didn't come in and do like Jackie Chan type stuff. He just had stances. Yeah, he had stances. He was just doing regular wrestling moves, but he would come in like you know, come in and do the the whole pose and the crouch and everything. Like yeah, you know, the, the three point stance, and he would do some kicks and some chops and some like stuff to the neck or whatever. So it was like. 
he gave that impression that he was really like a Bruce Lee type of wrestler. And it was kind of like, I mean, he, I think he invented ultimate fighting. You think about it. You got a Bruce Lee character in a wrestling ring, you know, mixing styles. You know, this. So basically, Ricky the Dragon is responsible for MMA. There you go. Bow down to, to, to a true pioneer there. Um, other than him, I also mentioned uh, another opponent of Ricky the Dragon, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, not only in the ring. Uh, you know, with the DDT and all the different like moves, and he really slithered like a snake. But also outside the ring, he, he would cut a great uh, promo in the uh, shower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he he would basically sell the match with just his with just his words. Uh, you know, like Hulk Hogan would get in front of a mic and say, "Well, you know me, G brother," and this and that. And you'd be like, "Oh, I gotta see Hulk Hogan fight this guy." Jake the Snake Roberts would get in front of a mic and tell me, Gene about a match, and it was. I mean, you only, you not only wanted to see the match, you wanted to see somebody get hurt, whether it was him or his <laughs> opponent. You were like, oh, damn, it's about to go down. You know, he is not playing around. Uh, and on both sides, back when he was a bad guy, you know, he made it seem like you wanted to kill this motherfucker. Like, damn, he put his hands on Miss Elizabeth, you know, that kind of thing. And then later on, you know, he would talk talk shit about like the honky tonk man hitting him with the uh, guitar. And you were like, oh, yeah, get him with, get him, uh, Jake the Snake, you know. And, 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 you know, so it was like he was awesome. Um, third, I, I, I did his bit at the top of the show in terms of bad guys ravishing Rick Rude. I think he's like one of the greatest villains ever in pro wrestling. No doubt. You know, because not only did he uh, was he obnoxious, but he was also a ladies man. Uh, you know, he looked great. He would come in and, you know. You know, show the washboard abs and the, the physique, and he would do the gyrations in the ring, whatever. And the ladies went wild for that. They would take photos, and they would want to like come in the ring and have him gyrate on them or whatever. Mm. And but uh, beyond that, it was it was just a matter of he had Bobby the Brain Heenan with him, and he didn't need him. It was you know Bobby the Brain Heenan was gr- a great manager, but he was great for like most managers were there for wrestlers that needed the help to get over or to you know or to basically be more effective. Bobby the Brain Heenan just met, turned like Ravishing Recruit from like great to you know legendary in terms of his mm-hmm. status because he would just come in there and it didn't matter if it was a Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior or Jake the Snake uh, he would just make them feel like shit Pretty and then much. and then the biggest trash talk of all he would put the their face on his wrestling tights <laughs> on the front and the back yeah if it wasn't it would be your face like the face of his opponent or it would be if you had a, a woman in your life. <laughs> Like, you know, Mrs. Uh, Cheryl Roberts. We got to know Jake the Snake's wife just from that g- angle alone. Hilarious. He put, he put her face all, all right there on the on the, on the his pelvis, on his crotch there. So when he wiggled, you saw Cheryl's face and just moving. Or Miss Elizabeth or somebody else. Oh, so damn funny. Fantastic. Um, the last two guys are uh, baby faces, meaning good guys for anyone from, not familiar with pro wrestling. But uh, the Junkyard Dog, uh, he got the party hype. That's oh, by the way. Yeah. With um with with Jake when Jake put the um Cheryl Roberts on there, WWF didn't know anything about it. They didn't. Oh, and didn't he rip his he he ripped his tights off? Yeah. Yeah, Jake got in the ring, Rush Rick Root had the tights on, and he ripped them off and he was like bucket naked. And I don't know if they had censors or what, but you know, if they had a black barb at the time, but I just remember seeing like Ass, and I was like, "Whoa, my gosh, this is crazy!" He just ripped his tights off. 
that was just the mere fact that w, he just he just busted out and and nobody knew and everybody yep. was pissed off. Yeah, uh, not even the seamstress in the back knew Janice or whoever. She was probably like, I didn't, I had no idea. All right, now who who gets the party started? Who, who are we oh, the uh, junkyard dog. He got the crowd hype. Because he came down. I mean, look, he was not a great wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. But he would come down, you know, big black dude. And it was weird because it's kind of rough now thinking about rooting for this guy. (laughs) Big old country black dude had chains around his neck, looking like slavery chains. (laughs) Talking about grabbing them cakes. Wait a minute, is that all he do? <laughs> he didn't care what it took either. Oh, okay. And and uh, you know another one bites the dust. And uh, uh, on his wrestling tights on the back was a in big letters thump. <laughs> right on the butt. <laughs> so too many mixed messages going on here. But back in the day, he was dope. Uh, one of the few black wrestlers that we had in the WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, he got the party started. He'd come down, everyone was live and everything. And, you know, and, and he, even when he would cut promos, he would just talk about, you know, he he, he sounded like Wolfman Jack. He'd say, you go down there, yeah, you got to go your dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he would get down there. And the one move he did was funny was, uh, he, you know, he kept making it seem like he had a hard head so he would get down on all fours and his opponents like on the ground recovering and he would like go to him like a dog and just headbutt him that was his move and it hurt you know that and the power slam you know so i guess that was the thumb um and last but not least um uh the the master of the full nelson now i'm not talking about hercules or hercules hernandez most people are going to say hercules but i'm talking about you know the good guy or the uh, the the baby face version of Hercules uh, when they had the full Nelson battle, and that was uh, Billy Jack Haynes. You are bringing up Billy Jack. Billy Jack Haynes. You know, I, for some reason, I was a big fan of his back in the day. You know, wow. and it, this was like, um, you know, how Transformers and everyone's like Soundwave, whatever, and then a blaster came out, and you know, they went head to head and whatever with the tapes and everything. Billy Jack Haynes was like the blaster to uh, Hercules' Soundwave <laughs> because Hercules was always doing that full Nelson and taking everybody out with it. And Billy Jack Haynes came into the WWF, and his move was the full Nelson. And so they had to go head to head. Who was the master of the full Nelson? And they were putting it on each other and that everything. That was uh, WrestleMania three. Yeah. And didn't Hercules cheat with his uh, his chains? Uh, a lot of wrestlers had chains. <laughs> it, was, like, it, was, it was a slavery thing going on. Yeah, right? there was a lot of slavery chains going on there. So it was like Billy Jack Haynes was winning, and then Hercules, I think uh, his manager or something like broke out the chain and everything, and yeah. then hit him with the chain, and then that was like. That was like the dis- disqualification, but Hercules then put the full Nelson on Billy Jack Haynes after the bell, and oh, come on, Graf, get in there, you know. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was some pandemonium. Oh, yeah, pandemonium running away. I-, I left off a lot of names, uh, you know. It well, would be hold on, because you're gonna use some of my names. Oh no, I, yeah, as I say, that was my top five. What was your top five? My top five, I- yeah. Andre the Giant. 
Wow. Yeah, man. Andre Giant. Dude, I mean, dude was huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, was he the eighth wonder of the world? Yeah. I mean, they said that you could put a hard-boiled egg through his ring. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm like you with Rick Rude. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Perfect, we discussed before. I mean, he kind of some crap. He was. And I mean, <laughs> even the slapping the gum in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Orndorff just Mr. Wonderful because of the heel turn on Hulk Hogan oh yeah one of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history everyone talks about Hulk Hogan at Bash at the Beach but when Paul Orndorff turned on Hulk Hogan nobody saw that coming and that set the precedent right there for anything can happen in pro wrestling yeah, uh, yeah. for the people playing at home uh, it seems like um, most of my lists are people that turned on Hogan uh, Andre yeah. the Giant uh, turned and ripped his chain off yeah and uh, <laughs> Paul Horndorff Andre what are you doing with him what are you doing with Bobby Heenan <laughs> and then of course my number one my number one of all time Macho Man. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. I thought you were gonna say Leaping Manny Papo, aka the Genius, with the, the Poet Laureate of yes. the WF. So, uh, he did man. have some bars, though. He he had some dope rhymes back in the day. He had bars. Yeah, he would come up there, kick a freestyle, or kick a verse off the off the poem, and then throw the frisbee into the crowd. So you got a free poem. Lenny Mathers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny Rabbit. Be Rabbit. Oh, and. Uh, I loved uh, Ronnie Garvin too. The Garvin yeah. stomp is one of my favorite maneuvers in wrestling. Period. Now here's he's somebody too that because he went up against Dino Bravo at one point when he first came into the W, and Dino Bravo had the Dino Bravo stomp, which was the same thing. So it was like, who was the master of the stomp and all of the about? But the Garvin stomp was well established. That's patented. Yeah. You know, that's in the family. But I like those kinds of matchups where it's like uh, two wrestlers that seem so similar. Okay, who's the master of this move? You know, yeah. who's gonna make it out? You know, and a that lot. was yeah, and that was the thing. That was back when you were the the master of that move, and and nobody else was supposed to do it, or if somebody else did it, they couldn't get a win off of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you played the video game. Well, the video games back then were all on the regular Nintendo, so everyone had the same finisher because the technology just wasn't there. But like even now. Each wrestler had his own patented fission finisher. Like no one else got off the top rope and did the flying elbow, but Macho Man Savage. Mm -hmm. You know, no one else did the leg drop and the and the clothesline leg drop, but Hulk Hogan. You know, so it, it you know, it, that was the signature. Uh, I, I miss those days because now it's just and there were there were believable finishers too. It's not like oh he hit him in the forehead. Yeah. Down. Well, they didn't look the same. I think the problem with wrestling today is a lot of the finishers are just like taking the guy in the air and, and dumping him on his head like a modified DDT from some other way. Yeah. Like a jumping DDT or a flying around suplex brainbuster DDT or a reverse DDT. You know, so it, I mean, people try to get more inventive with the moves, but it, it's at a point now where they're just doing way too much just to finish a guy. Yeah. Um, now, what about tag teams? Now, the good thing about this era, they had a slew of uh, tag teams. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was basically tag team 
mania uh, back then. It was, you know, if it wasn't, and it wasn't, it wasn't even just the slew of tag teams. It was just like the lineup was just stacked from top to bottom, mm-hmm. and they didn't even have a need for cruiserweights or anything. I think they had midgets at one point, and yeah. you know, they were trying the women at, uh, at a certain point, Who's trying to the, make that. Uh, happen. The, the black dude that was with uh, Mr. T. Oh, uh, the Haiti kid. kid. <laughs> the Haiti kid, because he had, he. Uh, uh, Roddy Piper ma- basically shaved his head. He had a little afro, and Roddy Piper sh- shaved his head yeah. to make him look like Mr. T. So he had that mohawk. <laughs> Shout out to the Haiti kid. The Haiti kid, and then uh, little Fiji and little Tokyo. Little Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> and wh- who was it that um, got got squashed by King Kong Bundy? That one, Little Tokyo. That might have been Little Tokyo, <laughs> or or Little Fiji, or so. Or one of the two. It was like a whole gang of them. The Hillbilly Jim came to their defense. <laughs> Who now? Yeah. Who were your top three favorite tag teams back then? Oh man, it's hard to narrow it down, but uh, yeah, um, I gotta give an honorable mention. They're not on my top list, but uh, the, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, just for the fact that uh, they had the greatest like pre-match ceremony of all time. <laughs> yes, which was because Nikol- Nikolai Volkov was the Russian, you know, from Kami Russia back in the eighties, and Iron Sheik was from Iran. So. Uh, before the match started, Nikolai Volkov would ask that you please rise for the singing of the Russian national anthem, and he would get up there and sing it. <laughs> and the whole put that thing, in there. yeah. And then Iron Sheik would follow that up with Iran number one, Russia number one, America. <laughs> Hot and spit. <laughs> and everyone's a USA, USA. I mean, basically. They made Patriots out of everybody in every arena watching that show. <laughs> Just automatically. You know, although as a tag team, they weren't that good. Um, top Tops was the Heart Foundation for me. Mm. Uh, you know, they did. They held the belts uh, a few times, and they were great. And uh, they feuded a lot with the uh, British Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. So between uh, Brett the Hitman Heart, uh, best there is, was, ever will be, and then uh, you know Davy Boy, uh, sorry, and then uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart with his tag partner, managed by Jimmy Hart. Uh, they went up against the British Bulldogs, Davy Dave Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. Uh, now the British Bulldogs jumped the shark with Matilda. As soon as they brought that stupid mascot, the Bulldog, in there, they they started to fall off, and rightfully so. With the Hard Foundation, they went from bad guys to good guys, but. One of the great things about the Hearts was they had Jimmy Hart in their corner and they would cheat to win. They would use any means. And uh, that included referee Danny Davis or Dangerous Danny Davis. Dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) Who ended up, I think that was kind of a jump to start moment with with them was when they had Dangerous Danny Davis with them. It was like, oh man, now they got to do six man tags and crap like that. Um, Third, I'm going with. This is a personal favorite, so by no means are they a skilled tag team, but I like the Killer Bees. The Killer Bees are on my list. B. I'm, Brian Blair and Jumpin' Jim Bronzel, man. I wish uh, I wish the she- I wish Shiki Baby was here to uh, see what he thought about that. Yeah. Jim Bronzeller and that jabroni, Brian Blair. Brian Blair, right. Brian Blair, you are another faggot son of a bitch. No good lowlife. So I want to let you know you are punk. You are fag, you are punk, little gay, worse than Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. It was a great feeling. I have a lot of respect for them. His partner, Jim Bronzetti from Minnesota, great athlete, 
great high jumper, but that little punk, Brian Blair, another little fag, worse than Michael Jackson. And I didn't like him. I didn't like his attitude. He was a punk. I can break his fucking back. Break his back, make him humble, and then fuck his ass. I didn't do it in the Pontiac, Michigan, because I respect my sport and respect Mr. McVeigh. You were a professional. Oh, professional. Otherwise, I was, was, was ready to do it to him, all country way, make him humble. Suplex him, put him in a camel clutch, break his back, and then fuck his ass, make him humble, to he respect our retreat. And I didn't do it. Because for the God and Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, I mean, the gimmick under the ring with the masks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, 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 when they brought the masks in, that was pretty cool because it gave them something new. But just even the fact that they had, like, you know, trunks that had, like, the bee pattern on them and, you know, they, and they, and they had, like, the, the wristband. Everything was, like, bees. Yeah. You know, so it was, like, it was a character. And, you know, when you're a kid, any wrestling, t- you know, gimmick that was, like, a character was great. You know, which brings up a uh, well. What what are what are your other two in the top three? Um, okay. In terms of tag teams, my my all right. My favorite. Now see, my favorite all time is Demolition. Demolition, sick. <laughs> I love Demolition. Demolition is my favorite tag team of all time. Period. Yeah. And, and let's let's make it clear something about Demolition. I mean, the first impression that people had, and I had it too, was, oh, these are just knockoffs of the Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors. Which, yeah, they were. I mean, they were, basically, Vince saw what they were doing up in the NWA with the Road Warriors and the AWA and said, okay, we need a tag team like that. So paint their faces and make them look tough. Thank you, and, Spice. Yeah, they gave, they gave black S&M leather, so they, these guys look like the... Uh, you know, they, they look like the, they have a, a Mr. Sir Dominatrix that they report to at home or something. Uh, and they did the, the studs with the spikes. And uh, they were all, I mean, their in-ring style was crazy because rather than just pushing wrestling moves, they would just come in there and double-team you and beat the shit out of you. Like, just pummel you until you bled, you know, like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I loved it. I mean, it was always just axe handles to your back every the beginning of every match. Yep, they uh, lived up to their name, Axe and Smash. Exactly. And they had the awesomest entrance music ever. I mean, even more awesome than uh, what the Legion of Duke came to the ring to. So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and another plus, when they first debuted, they came in under the tutelage of one Mr. Fuji. The t- listen, you do not <laughs> is the only person ever that you have to be under their tutelage. You're not managed by no. Mr. Food under the tutelage, so we'll get to that later. And what, what's your what's your other favorite tag team? My second favorite tag team, and then listen, just like how you threw the bees out there. Um, I want to hear this. The Dream Team. I'll give it to the Dream Team. The they dream were team. they were good together. You know, Greg the uh, Hammer Valentine, Brutus Beefcake. Before he was Brutus the Barber, yeah, he he was Brutus Beefcake, and he, he and Greg the Hammer Valentine were great balance between, uh, you know, Brutus Beefcake was more agile, and, you know, uh, he was a smaller type of wrestler, and Greg the Hammer was just like, uh, you know, he was just a 
you know, a, a powerhouse. Yeah. But at the same time, he was a technician. Like he would take you out with the figure four. And I he would like, had the leg brace. The, the, the three years he had the leg brace, and he would turn it around and yeah. push in the figure four. Now, True that. I got one honorable mention. Okay. Because if we did top five, they'd be four. I, I got a few, so let's go. Powers of Pain. Powers of Pain. Yeah, I didn't even think of them. Barbarian uh, and Warlord. I they were that they were dope, fun. but you know, to me, they were more like, okay, we got Demolition. We might have the Legion of Doom coming in. Let's have somebody else that they, they, they could go with that could have the face paint. You Pretty know, much. so I mean, but they were awesome. Uh, I got a few here. Who, uh, Dino I was, and Earthquake. No. <laughs> No, I should say the Quebecers because really they were in 1993, uh, back in the first year of Raw. Uh, you know they were pretty funny. Where the Mounties, the Rougeau, the all the Rougeau brothers were awesome because they had that cool song too, "All American Boys." <laughs> the Rougeaus were all American boys. Yeah, although they were like French Canadian, and they you know, and then Jacques and Raymond. <laughs> you had to say Jacques and Raymond when you said the Rougeaus. Um, Power and Glory. Uh, yeah, okay. Paul Roma and Hercules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was a pretty good uh, mix. Um, of course, the Rockers. Uh, people are gonna say, "Hey, but what about Shawn Michaels and uh, Marty Jannetty?" Oh, but you know, hey, all that shit went went uh, out the window, out Let, the barbershop window. Pun intended, huh? Exactly. Uh, and uh, there were no Can-Am connection. Nah, that was the next one I was gonna say. You know, with uh, that was uh, Tom Zink and uh, Rick Martel. And that went the way went by the wayside. I think Tom Zink had to leave the company, and so Rick Martel had a new tag team partner in T- one Tito Santana, and they became Strike Force. And then that became another uh, uh, turn where uh, Rick Martel turned into a bad guy. He turned on Tina San- Tito Santana or Chico as a. <laughs> As Jesse Ventura called him, and Strike Force was no more. But we got the model Rick Martel. Yes, you know? <laughs> and, and uh, of course his uh, fragrance, arrogance that he yeah. would spray on people's faces. Didn't he spray that on um, Jake? Yeah, and uh, he sprayed it on Jake the Snake, and Jake the Snake started wearing uh, white uh, contacts to uh, make it seem like he was blind. Yeah, he bl- he was blinded by the arrogance because it, the the, the uh, cologne was in a uh, it was in a bottle that. The, the, one of those old canisters that you would put bug spray in. Yeah, like the old school uh, beekeeper. <laughs> yeah, like a like a smoker or something, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, WWF went all out with their characters, man. Just make it. I mean, it was basically like watching a cartoon with these guys. Yeah, and you either had a um, you had an animal as a gimmick, or you had some kind of accessory. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, what? What? There was another. Um, there was another. We don't want to count the Bushwhackers. Oh my gosh, Bushwhackers! Were the Moon Dogs around at that point? They were. Um, you know, shout out to Parts Unknown. <laughs> yes. All, all the Moon Dogs were from Parts Unknown. It didn't matter if it was Moon Dog Spot Rex or uh, you know or Moon Dog Joe. You know. Uh, don't forget the Head Shrinkers. The Head Shrinkers. <laughs> yeah, uh, Samu and Fatu. Uh, before he was Rikishi, he was on the Head Shrinkers. Yeah, you know? I, and yeah. I, I really, I couldn't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So like, so really, when you see like uh, uh, the Usos, uh, Rikishi's sons, uh, twin twin sons in the ring now, they, they harken back to Rikishi's days as, as the Head Shrinkers. Mm-hmm. You know, because there was a lot of the similar stuff, and they were managed by Afa the Wild Samoan. Um, 
there were a lot. Um, the Colossal Connection made yeah. no sense as a team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're, we're forgetting one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Uh, Orient Express? No. Oh. They were managed by their doctor, Style Slick. Oh, the Natural Disasters. No. Oh, the tell twin, twin Towers. The Twin, twin Towers. towers. The twin too towers. soon. Too, too soon. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but I keep oh, the did. African Dream and uh, the Big Boss Man. In my defense, the Twin Towers and the Natural Disasters are pretty much damn near the same. Yeah, but <laughs> but Tugboat, man, uh, you know, we, we know what happened to him and his oh. group. Shout out oh. to the Shockmaster. Yeah, shout out to the Glitter, glitter Vader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the Twin Towers were so great because... They both came out to the ring. Of course, Big Boss Man by himself was a, a formidable foe, you know, and he was badass. Cop County, Georgia, he would beat the shit out of you like cops normally do. He ain't lying. Um, and uh, the one, the former one man gang who hey, transformed. My favorite, hands down, my favorite anything of this era was the transformation. Yeah. Of the one bad gang in tech. Akeem the African Dream is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. <laughs> and they came out to the rate to Slick's music, Jive So Bro. The arm movements. <laughs> Always lie to your friends. You a Jive So Bro. A Jive So Bro. And you never get nothing in the end. Now listen, at some point when we're going to talk about managers, let me explain to you how dope Kenneth the Dr. Style Slick Johnson <laughs> was this man came in not only so, so when he came in with uh with with Butch Reed yeah he purchased half of Classy Freddy's Classy Stable yeah it, it and that's was, how and then he, that's how he got um Nikolai from the call um, he got, um, and then he sold, he, he hustled it. He bought half of uh, Blasi's joint. He sold the contract of uh, Hercules to the Heenan for, air quote, a yeah. pile of money. Pile of money. So that he could spend on some, some good yard birds. <sighs> or, or some church suits. Or some uh, stay soft rope. Yeah. This guy wore the church suit, the fro, and a hat on top of the fro. And then he turned into Reverend Slick. Yeah. Because he was, he was turning, he was, he was good. He was a good guy. Yeah. Was, yeah, he was no longer the Dr. Style, a.k.a. a pimp and hustler. A.k.a. a pimp Okay. Underrated wrestlers of this era. Who you All right. Okay. Um... Of this era, first off, uh, because people thought he was just a one-trick pony, or so to speak, uh, or one-trick uh, superstar, but I gotta give it to Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Because similar to Ricky Steamboat, a lot of his moves were kind of like martial arts style in the ring, and of course the finisher was the super Superfly Splash, you know, off the top rope or off the cage or whatever. So I gotta give it to him, because he actually was pretty skilled in the ring. Uh, but uh, the Honky Tonk Man, people really don't give him the credit nah, that he, he deserves. he was dope. I yeah, because him, not, not just, you know, the fact that he held the Intercontinental title for so long. And then people go, well, the Ultimate Warrior beat him in like 30 seconds, you know, when he lost the belt. Yeah, true. You got to put over the Warrior. 
But even when the Honky Talk Man like challenge other wrestlers, like say I, I was watching a Saturday Night's main event the other day where uh, he faced Hulk Hogan for the title, and of course he lost that, but he made that match great in terms of the fact that he sold for Hulk Hogan. Like he basically made Hulk Hogan look good. Um, he threatened to use the guitar on him and everything. He <laughs> used the manager. I mean, he did the the begging in the corner, and then even before the match. Uh, no, the uh, promo for the match, uh, he got all the Elvis references in. He was like, yeah, I'm going to take you to Heartbreak Hotel, but, you know, don't worry about your blue suede shoes, uh, you know, <laughs> but you're going to be in the pink Cadillac and you're going to be, uh, you know, going to feel lonesome tonight. And so he put all that in there in just like one promo and sold the match right then and there. So it was like before, Hulk, by the time Hulk Hogan got on the screen with the, well, you know me, Gene, you were already going to watch this thing because you wanted to see Hulkie Talk Man get his shit beating, beating, so. Oh, and don't forget, don't forget uh, Peggy Sue. Peggy Sue, yeah. Peggy Sue you know, was uh, Jimmy Hart and drag. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes and, it was Sherry Bartel. And why was Jimmy Hart all of a sudden the Colonel Jimmy Hart when he was with the Honky Talk Man? But he managed everyone else. He didn't have that rank anymore. No, he was just the mouth of the South. Yeah. Um, I got to give it up to Adrian Adonis. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, again. He was pretty uh, agile for that size. Yeah. I mean, big dude, uh, you know, dressed in drag, wore makeup and everything. So people just thought, well, beat his ass because, you know, the, the, the home of homophobia was running wild back in the day folks. What, so, was it so, running wilder than the hulkamania it, I, I think so okay. uh, you know so but uh he was very very good in the ring very agile knew how to sell uh you know knew knew how to put wrestlers over and was a mean son of a bitch too i mean like you know to the point where if he got his offense in he was beat crap out of you uh, uh adrian adonis fun fact yeah. When he was, um, when he was before he turned into adorable Adrian Adonis, and he was the bad guy. Yeah. Um, he he um, got rid of. He turned into the adorable Adrian Adonis right after uh, Piper's Pit, and the the leather jacket, the black leather jacket that Adrian Adonis used to wear, he gave to Piper. That's the black jacket that he wears. That he always wears because of that. That wow. segment of Piper's Pit, Adrian Donis gave it to him, and he turned into adorable, and he kept that uh, leather jacket ever since. Wow. Well, it was a trade, because guess what? He ended up taking Piper's Pit and turning it into the flower shop. Flower shop. <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. Yeah. Um, uh, one more. Uh, honorable mention to Owen Hart, a.k.a. the Blue Blazer, because he I mean, was a nugget, nugget, right? He's yeah, nugget. he's not a nugget. Uh -huh. you know, enough is enough, eclectic. Uh -huh. Time for change. Um, you know, but the Blue Blazer back then, we didn't know who that was. And all the whole time, I was like, who is that? And then people would tell me, oh, that's Bret Hart's brother. I was like, yeah, that's bullshit. You're lying. And then later on, we found out it was Owen Hart, and he became one of the all time greats. Um, but Doink the Clown. Doink. Now, um, regular Doink or uh, Steve Lombardi? Oh, a regular Doink. <laughs> now, the Brooklyn Brawl, Steve Lombardi. I got, you know, I got mad love for him being from the home, my hometown, Brooklyn, but. Trust me, he was terrible. I mean, he knew his role. He basically was only there to count the lights and to basically lose to everybody. He was the one. Him and Iron Mike Sharp and and Barry O and Barry Horowitz, they were the Washington Generals of pro wrestling. <laughs> they were they were there just to lose. I, I would have been surprised if any of them won any matches. But Doink, huh? Doink. Um, by the time we got to the early 90s, 
and we got into the Doink the Clown era. Uh, so like, yeah, you know, this is after, a little late in the superstars, but we, we got clowns and Razor Ramon and, and Diesel and all these guys coming in. I wasn't watching, we weren't watching wrestling anymore. You know, it was like high school, college, and it was like wrestling is for kids, man. Fuck this shit. And you would tune in and you'd see Doink the Clown and you'd be like, oh, fuck this. I ain't watching no stupid ass clown. Exactly. And so a lot of people didn't even watch him wrestle. But watching him wrestle even now on the network or, you know, the old footage, he was a good wrestler. You know, he, he actually was pretty cool in the ring. You know, so it was like, okay, you, you had to deal with the gimmick of him coming down. And is he going to throw water? Is he going to throw water? Oh, no, he's not going to throw water on him. Doink the clown. Oh, what a maneuver. Oh, no, not the maneuver. What a, what a terrifying maneuver. But he was doing like wrestling moves like the stump puller and you know and he was doing like you know uh you know different kinds of cradles and different kinds of like you know i mean he was a technical wrestler you know i, I would put him on like bret hart levels in terms of the moves he was putting in the ring you know but original joint the clown again you know so i mean yeah gimmick wise original doink oh yeah og original oh, oh yeah od so those are my underrated. Uh, what are some underrated wrestlers that uh, you you uh, that you had for that time? Uh, besides Warlord and Barbarian, I think they were underrated. Uh, <laughs> you know who was underrated? If you can say Doink was up. <laughs> Don't tell me the Red Rooster. The Red Rooster. He was properly rated. No, the Red <laughs> Rooster was damn. He could actually wrestle. The Terry uh, Taylor. Uh, fun fact. Terry Taylor. Fun fact. Uh, he was slated for the Mr. Perfect gimmick. Yeah. And um, they chose not to give it to him, but they were they were going to. Um, Tully Blanchard is yeah. underrated. Yeah, because people give all the credit to Arn Anderson, but uh, and that Brain Busters tag team, you know, Tully Blanchard on the other side was also just as great. And, um, and Haku, he didn't get his props until way later. Yeah. He, he got his main props. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a, a he huge member of the Heenan family. You know, he used to tag up with like Ravish and Rick Rude. He tagged up Andre the Giant. That was the colossal connection. Mm-hmm. And then he became King Haku later on. King Haku. Yeah. Um, what about overrated? Overrated is too easy. Oh, it is so and, easy. And and you you're gonna hate all of my overrated wrestlers. It's probably all my favorite wrestlers. Pretty much. Um. Outback Jack disappointed the shit out of me. Oh, how dare you? Outback Jack is a classic. No, the classic promos. The time he kangaroo down sport and he'd been in the airport trying to find America from Australia and everything. All the vignettes were cool. As soon as he got in the ring, it was like, what? What's his finisher? What is he doing? I, I don't know. You know, did he just hit him with a boomerang? I don't know what's going on here. So, yeah, I have to count him as overrated. Um. No, actually, no. I'm thinking of gimmicks, but you know what? Overrated is also applies for Outback Jack. Come on, he, Tops- uh, he, he fought Frenchie Martin and Killer Khan. That's true. Okay, okay. I'll, I, I'll, I'll let that slide. Top all time for me is Brutus the Bar Beefcake. Oh, Brutai. Yeah, brother Brutai. Um, he had only one move. And look, I'm sorry. Uh, the sleeper, sure. Adrian Adams did the sleeper. Roddy Piper did the sleeper. And I understand it helps you uh, to cut people's hair when they're knocked out. But, you know, what else did you have, dude? And he was overrated in so many ways because he needed to get that, oh, I'm Brutus the Barber. And when he was the barber, all he did, he dressed up like a, a, a Chippendales model. 
and instead of like scissors or or razor you know or or, or or clippers like the wall clippers or anything he had on some hedge clippers you ain't cut nobody's hair with no big ass hedge trimmers it was it was bigger than yeah. life man come on aka uh, Baron Beefcake, yeah. aka well, the Booty Man, aka Brother Brutus, aka he, he, the Butcher, the Clipmaster, the Disciple. He he needed all that shit just to get over because he was not a good wrestler, oh. and that's my take on it. Bruce, Brutus, I will say this right here, right now. Brutus the Bar Beefcake is the Oreo cookies of wrestling. So uh, incredible. Uh, no, what? needs help to oh. taste good. <laughs> Oreos cookies need milk. They need cream in the middle. They need all you put you put Brutus the Bar Beefcake by himself. None of that shit. And just have him watch him wrestle. You you'd be sorely disappointed. Uh-huh. Same with Oreo cookies without the milk, without the cream in the middle, without the the, the, the fudge or the, the Oreo stripe. cookie is the cream and the cookie. No, that cookie's terrible, son. You're basically paying for the cream. That's what you're paying for. Bruce the Bar Beefcake, you're paying for the sleeper hold and the haircut after the match. Shout That's all you're paying for. Shout out to the Hydrox uh, cookies. <laughs> um, okay, I guess. Um, my my overrated were um, uh, Tito Santana. Oh, Chico. He's awful. Yeah. Um, JYD. Okay, um, I, I can see that. I want to say Ricky Steamboat because he, but he could actually wrestle a little bit, but definitely Snooker. I got a better overrated wrestler than all of those combined. Well, hold on, I got two more. All right. Um, Big Boss Man. I can kind of agree with you there. And the Big Boss one. Man was overrated by the time he got to the '90s, the Attitude Era. Yeah. When the when the uh, when he had that uh, what was that match with Al Snow, the dog collar match? Oh Jesus! And then when the Undertaker hung him in the cage. <laughs> He pretty much lynched him in a wrestling ring. It was terrible. My number one overrated, and then we go on overrated because based on look, they're very popular, but in the ring, can't wrestle. Roddy Piper. I think Piper was properly rated, no. and I'll tell you why. He was way I, too. He was way too popular to be that bad. No, but Piper was a brawler, and he always was a brawler, and that was the thing about Piper. Is like that was his thing. You know that everyone knew that he you would get, you get in the ring with him he was gonna claw your eyes out and just but he hit didn't you with really. close fists. That was that was what he was supposed to do yeah. and that was the reputation. But he never really did it. It was all um, boxing yeah. Bob Orton and his cast. Yeah, <laughs> I'll kind of give. I would say most overrated, but I would say he was definitely overrated in terms of his popularity preceded him. I'll tell you who is overrated. Oh, here we go. The narcissist, aka oh no, uh, the uh, American original Lex Luger. You leave the Lex Express out of this. Oh, the freaking Lex Express, folks. When I got the WWE Network, I was like, oh cool, I'm gonna watch all this old stuff that I used to like, you know. So I was watching like SummerSlam and Saturday's Main Event, and I thought about something. I was like, you know what, Monday Night Raw back when it came on in 1993, I'd never watched that first year. So as an experiment, I started watching every episode in that first year of Monday Night Raw from the first episode all the way on down. And I saw Lex Luger turn from the narcissist into the the uh, American original when he oh, slammed American. Yokozuna. Yeah, when he slammed Yokozuna at the uh, Intrepid on that 4th of July special of, uh, Monday, uh, of Monday Raw. And don't forget and then, the allied powers. Yeah. And then the Lex Express tour and the bus and everything. But other than the torture rack, which he didn't even use in the WWF, mind you, 
uh, he wasn't much in the ring. Oh, man. And he was just, all he was was a, basically a replacement for Hulk Hogan because they had Hogan and he lost to Yokozuna and they're like, we need another American to get behind. And it was like the Lex Express and Lex Luger and it's like, yes. gosh, you were just so whack. Oh man, come on, he, he campaigned for a title. Yeah, campaign. He never won it. You know, he had to go back to WCW win a title, and he barely did that. And then, and he lost it the same week. Oh, so. and he had, but he had his own um, Survivor Series team, the All Americans. Oh come on! The All Americans that included uh, the Undertaker, by the way. Hacksaw Jim Duggan could have coached that team up just as well. Against you know? uh, Yokozuna's form of fanatics, Crush, Yokozuna, Ludwig Borga, and yeah. Corbecker. Shout out to Ludwig Borga. Anyone that has ever seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Ludwig, Ludwig Borga is in that. He plays uh, the uh, the German guy that he, that like dresses up as a cop. Well, like, the goofy one. Now, since you are going to talk about the Lex Express, and we technically count 1993 yeah. as this era. Corporal Kirshner is a better American than oh, no. Sorry. I'm going to counter with the Tuck. Tonka. The awful. The terrible. Tataka. Oh, Tataka was so awesome. You know what? Tataka. He was undefeated, huh? He was undefeated. He had an undefeated streak. Yeah. I mean, so he was, ended uh, up. So was Feed Me More. He, he, he ended up being finally defeated by uh, the aforementioned Ludwig Borga later that year in 1993. Uh, but that was due to some shenanigans and chicanery. That Ludwig not... Borga, who went on to be... Dead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Tataka's still alive, and he still actually looks... He's in pretty good shape. He's awful. Yeah. He was the disciple of uh, Chief Wild McDaniel. Dancing around. And uh, Chief J. Strongbrook. Yeah. That's the yeah. Uh, uh. Anyway, on that awful note, um, let's take a break and <laughs> we'll come back and we'll talk about some, uh, some gimmicks and, uh, and and some commentator and then uh, and then the fit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Damn. The fit. Yeah. There we go. The fit is back. All right. After this. Sometimes love is like a slow dance. You can tiptoe around. Sometimes love sounds like a fight. It sounds like an argument. It sounds just like a power driver. Yeah, a power driver. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling will return after these messages. There are ghosts in Count Chocula. Hello, here. Oh, no. There they go. What do we do? Eat them. They're crunchy cereal ghosts. And Count Chocula is part of this complete breakfast. What about my marshmallows? There's still loads of chocolate and marshmallows. Good. New ghosts are here. In Frankenberry, too. Who cares? New crunchy ghosts in monster cereals. Dragon Blaster. One more paralyzing Dragon Blast and... And what? Freeze, Fisto! Dragon Blaster, Skeletor, Fisto, Roboto, and He-Man figures each sold separately. Roboto, attack! 
your dragon blaster can't stop the most powerful robot in the universe. Oh, yeah? Freeze, Roboto! I said freeze! Dragon Blaster Skeletor, new from the Masters of the Universe collection. Other action figures each sold separately from Mattel. And now back to Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Fire, Fire Ferguson or, or <laughs> and I? Welcome back to the show. Um, <laughs> uh, Bastion Plugger's in the house uh, with me. Um, AKA Classic Terry. Uh, yep. Find him uh, where all uh, Fabergé products and Cody Wild Must and so and uh, Slim Jims. Yeah, that's right. And Ico Pro, you gotta want. Oh, and Ico Pro. <laughs> Listen, um, we're talking WWF superstars. We're, we're, we're talking the era of uh, 1986 and 1993. So when you come on, if you're listening, you're like, well, what about Stone Cold? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what about Eddie Guerrero? Yeah, absolutely not. We're not even talking Hoovy Juice. I got yeah. the, the, the uh, Nitro podcast for that if, if you go back and listen to that. Um, gimmicks. There was a lot of uh, interesting gimmicks, especially in the 80s, the late 80s, mm-hmm. um, and leading up to the Attitude Era. What were some of your favorite gimmicks? Now, I'm going to tell you off top. I only, so I only have to answer this question. I got a king yeah. <laughs> and, and the machines. You give me the, a king and the machines and I'm good. Um, let's see, because I, I think about this a second. Favorite gimmicks of obviously Jake the Snake, a, a guy carrying a snake to the ring, and then when he defeats his opponent, just puts the snake on him, and then and then his opponent would wake up and oh snake, oh, run away, and act like a little girl. Basically, every little boy wants to have that happen. They want to basically be putting insects and, and and rodents and you know and reptiles on people. And have that work. So, and what was worse when punk whack ass Ricky Steamboat brought a air quote dragon? Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Alligator. What was that like? A yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I was like one of those iguanas or something, yeah. like a, yeah, a thunder lizard or something. Yeah. So it was like, and they faced off. Like, yeah, they're facing off in the ring. Ricky the dragon Steamboat with his lizard, and the, I checked the snake with him. <laughs> Was it that awesome maneuver? It was a fantastic maneuver. <laughs> uh, I like the honky talk, man. Just the, the Elvis impersonator thing. You know that that started to be really fun. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage, dude. Which he, which was he's one of the greatest of all time. But I never truly got the gimmick. He was he was Macho. I mean, I get that, but. Yeah. So you're thinking Macho Man, like when people back back in that day, Macho Man was like the village people would hey, hey, hey. But this guy came to the ring with like pomp and circumstance, like playing. So it was like graduation music. Had on these huge like Ric Flair style robes with the, the gems and everything in them. And, and you know, basically had on these super cool shades and a headband. It was basically and, ski goggles. Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> he looked like he was about to shush down some slopes. <laughs> but uh, but now in hindsight, though, the gimmick was kind of weird because he was like just uh, this, you know, he was the he was a womanizer. Kid. Yeah, but he was a womanizer and a wife beater and he, and he was an abuser. So it was like that really wasn't his gimmick. Elizabeth. But I think when he became the Macho King, that was dope. Yeah, definitely. You know, he had the crown and the scepter and he had sensational Queen Sherry by his side. Um Let's see, uh, Sergeant Slaughter is an all-time great. Oh, he brought 
fucking G.I. Joe. Yeah. The Iron Sheik. Coco Beware? Is that what he is? Oh, man. Coco Beware. Hey, we didn't have a lot of black guys, so you had to go with... True. And he had a parrot, and he came down to the ring with more stay at the time. So, you know, he made the bird popular. You know, so... Yo, I mean, we realized that, though. They used to come to the ring with, like, real music. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, people weren't doing like uh, IP suing for IP and copyright infringement back then, so it was like, boom, just come to the ring with whatever. You know, Junkyard Dog came to another one bites the dust, and I think that's when Queen noticed and then he changed to grab them cakes. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, the same with Coco Beware coming out to the ring. Uh, he was hyped up and everything. Um, let's see. I like Mr. Perfect. You know who I liked in terms of a gimmick that Paul got Roma. Old? No. Erwin <laughs> R. Shyster. I didn't. I, IRS. He had no place in the wrestling, though. I mean, no, he, 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 here was what it was. It was Mike Breton that has been in the. He was in that in the WF for years, right. you know, because I remember, he, you know, in the first Saturday Night's main event or the second one, he was teaming with like Barry Wyndham. Barry He yeah, was yeah. just like, uh, um, went back and forth between there and WCW or the NWA. Came back and he was re- repackaged as Erwin R. Scheister. And, you know, he would cut promos. He would come on, uh, you know, uh, me and Gene would interview me, talk about, all right, you tax cheats out there. Erwin, I, the IRS is going to find you. Uh, you know, and so basically, you know, that was the thing in terms of like everyone was, instead of being humanoids or, you know, or jabronis or whatever, they were tax cheats. And everyone was cheating on their. T- and so his motivation for beating you up was you didn't do your taxes. And don't forget to do your taxes. And, uh, you know, I'm a kid. I don't have taxes to do. So to me, it was just like all funny. And who knew that IRS would be the uh, the father of Sister Abigail? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or of uh, the believers, you know, and Bo Dallas. So, so I mean, his kids, his kids are better wrestlers than all your kids combined, folks. Um, and then he was one of the first to come to the ring with a microphone in his hand, with the wireless mic, because he, instead of music, he would just cut the promo. Oh, you tax cheats out there! You better get it, get your filings in before April fifteenth, or you're gonna be losers like everyone else in this arena. Ooh, boo! And, and then he would start the match. And he had a briefcase and suspenders. He, I mean, he wrestled like he dressed up for work and wrestled in that. Wrestled in it. Yeah, so I mean, he gets all kinds of respect from me for that, man. Great gimmick. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, now what about worst gimmicks of the era? Oh, come on. This is too easy. Um, where do we start, man? Uh, I, I got to bring up the aforementioned Outback Jack because although it was a great, great promos and vignettes, I still had no idea what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> Uh, and I guess I could, the same can probably go for the Bushwhackers, but the Bushwhackers, uh, they licked each other, so I guess. <laughs> what about the Mountie? The Mountie. No, the Mountie was cool because he was a Canadian version of the Big Boss Man. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I'm the Mountie, and he had the shock stick or the cattle prod. That was dope. Yeah, so and, and it, I, I remember they had that match against each other. Uh, it was like a jailhouse match where the loser had to spend a night in jail, and the, so the Mountie had to spend a night in like Rikers Island or something. And he was like crying because it was like in New York or something. At the but I think this was outside of this uh, era or after in the nineties. Um, um, what about uh, Sid Justice? Sid Justice. Uh, I kind of get. I'm I'm kind of doing a you know maybe maybe not so so get on that because he was Sid Vicious in the in the uh, NWA mm-hmm. 
And so him coming over Sid Justice kind of, you know, you knew. He was another All-American. He needed to be yeah. red, white, and blue. Yeah. And, and, and eventually he started, like, beating on Hulk Hogan. So that kind of makes <laughs> as, him, as they all did. Yeah, he started whooping Hulk Hogan's ass. Um, as much as you say he's underrated, the Red Rooster. And so the, I know yeah, the, the gimmick was terrible. The kids loved him. But, dude, all he did was, like, take a little tuft of his hair and paint it red and start cuck clucking around. It was like, what the fuck, dude? Wasn't that that Bobby Brown song? <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody clucking around. <laughs> That's what he came out to the ring in. Uh, the gobbledygooker, I don't know, even know if he actually wrestled. Uh, shout out to Hector Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, and then we got to get into uh, Bastion Booger. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, again, this goes back to watching that first year of Monday Night Raw. Um, this was basically just a fat dude in a really in, in clothes that are two sizes too small. Basically, he was wrestling's version of fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> and his his deal was before he got to the ring, he would just do all kinds of nasty shit. Basically, he was like a garbage bale kid with wrestling boots. So you'd see him eating before uh like it was like the before one episode of monday night raw he's at a table eating all this food and hey bastion booger i think sean mooney's interviewing bastion booger what are you doing with all this food i'm eating it but this food it's all yeah and he finishes his sentence it's all raw like, it's monday night raw with bastion booger eating raw food you know it's like what the hell man well how is this gonna make me watch this show I would have quit watching wrestling with that episode, you know. So I'm watch I'm watching for historical purposes, and I had to fast forward through all the Bastion Booger shit. Same with Friar Ferguson, Friar, oh. which I think might have been the same guy. But basically, yeah, if Friar Tuck decided he wanted to wrestle, that's what Friar Ferguson was. Oh, and uh, by the way, not only did he dress like a monk, but after the match or something, he would pull up his like robe or something and like basically flashing or mooning the crowd. Terrible. Uh, these these are actual things. Yeah. Um, um I, I gotta go back to Brutus the Bar Beefcake. Will you leave Brother Brutai? Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll give him a pass because the barber gimmick actually worked, but I still didn't like him. What about, um, um let me throw last some not, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Last but not least, Man Mountain Rock. I don't even remember Man Mountain Rock. He he was strictly in 1993. He ended up uh, in WCW as Max Payne later on. But basically, it was just huh. this big dude, and uh, you know how like you remember them Guitar Hero games for like the uh, you know PlayStation whatever, and they gave you a little guitar. Yeah. He literally had a guitar that looked like a Guitar Hero guitar. It was a guitar that had the WWF logo as the guitar, and he would basically play in the middle of the ring, play guitar solo, and they had all the lights and stuff like a concert. And that was before the match. So he was already in the ring when they came back from commercial playing his concert. And then his opponent would come in and they would start the match. And that's it. So this big 300 pound dude playing guitar, doing guitar solos. And obviously like not playing for real, like uh, lip playing or lip syncing or whatever you want to call it. He was Millie Vanilli in the guitar. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. If it's too loud, then you're too old. Yeah, so if you if you if you look up Man Mountain Rock and see a photo of him, you'll understand why he's such like, terrible. And I didn't even get to the guy that pu- pulled like streamers out of his mouth or whatever. Oh yeah, um, um, Phantasmo. Phantasmo. Yeah. Yeah, he with the mime, and he yeah. had the, he had the, the the mask, and he took it off, and he had the same face paint, and, and he took 
He took uh, the the refs boxers. It was a whole thing. Oh jeez. Now we 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 would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the berserker. Oh yeah. Uh, South- I like I like the berserker though. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did because no, he didn't. would like he would stare at his hand and go, huh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, Saba Samba. Oh, okay. That's uh, Tony Atlas. Yeah. Uh, Scanner. Oh yeah, Scanner. Um, the nat- <laughs> the natural Butch Reed with blonde hair. Nah, man, because that was like the precursor to Meteor Man when they had the Golden Lords. You know, he was like Wesley Snipes in Demolition Man. No. Man, he made that cool before it was cool. No. He was Dennis Rodman back in the day. No. He was Kerwin White? Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> what a great morning. Uh, Max Moon. Yeah, I agree with Although Max Moon, I don't know if he was 90, before 93. I thought he was. Okay, he might have been. Uh, shout out to uh, the wrestler uh, that eventually became Conan. Now, speak on this. You know what? I don't, I don't speak on it and don't throw your shoe. Yeah. Uh, you know what awful gimmick I thought could have been great. The Repo Man. Repo Man. Some people like the Repo Man. Repo Man, if if he would have went through and repossessed people's movesets in the ring. Yeah. Like, you just go in there and just start doing everybody else's moves. Like, whoever he's wrestling against. I feel the Repo Man was a few years too late. If he was around back when the British Bulldogs had that dog... And he could steal the dog. Steal the dog. Repossess Jake the snake. The snake, you know, repossess like Damien. He would repossess like the iguana that uh, the Ricky Steamboat was using. Uh, He would repossess like Hulk Hogan's t shirts and stuff. Uh, So it's like you start stealing things. Like he would repossess like a Miss Elizabeth skirt or something. And she'd have to come to Ring and Panties on a very special edition of uh, Superstars of Wrestling. Very, very special. Uh, But I thought if he would have did the repossess people's gimmicks that would have been dope and they would have had to fight them to get get their gimmick back um yeah he shows up on a lot of lists but i think unfairly so because that basically barry darso did whatever he could just to you know pay bills and feed his family so i can't really knock him too hard on that i mean this guy was in demolition okay that's why i always love him yeah um and we won't we won't discuss when demolition jumped the shark so anyway with crush we, we, we don't discuss crush in this podcast unless it's orange or peach or grape so not even when crush was a solo wrestler you didn't appreciate him then either well that was the surfer guy yeah Kona crush <laughs> um so we, we we know in hindsight you weren't a fan of mcmahon's uh commentating what was what was your your best your favorite duo Oh man! Oh, they got so many favorites. It's tough to choose from these different uh, pairings. But basically, here's the common denominator: you have to have a uh, a straight guy, uh, you know, or basically, you know, your regular guy to call the action, and you had to have uh, a guy that was a bad guy or a heel. So I would think all time, I gotta go with Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, now, there's so many combinations. Gorilla and Bobby Heenan were great together. That's my favorite. Yeah, and, and you know, and when they did that uh, that talk show, was oh, it Tuesday Night Titans or whatever, you know, that yeah. the talk show, that they were awesome together on that. But even Vince, 
and Vince had his moments where he was good or he was serviceable and that was when he was paired with Jesse the Body Ventura and most of that was like Saturday Night's Main Event Welcome to Saturday Night's Main Event or when he was like with Bobby the Brain Heenan on like the first year of Monday Night Raw whenever they did stuff but I'll tell you the greatest of all time is always going to be any duo that would have Lord Alfred Hayes in the third chair because <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes made everything better Lord Alfred Hayes was the man yeah, yeah. I'll tell you who it wasn't. Uh-oh. <laughs> Actually, know it. I want to give an honorable mention to uh, Tony Schiavone and Jesse Body, Jesse the Body Ventura in the WWF, not in WCW, and not for any extended period of time. I would specifically just give it to them for SummerSlam of '89. Tony Schiavone is the greatest commentator in wrestling history. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. He he jumped the shark. When the when the uh, WCW started going towards the NWO, then all of a sudden he started doing all these damn stunts and the greatest night in the history of our sport. And he was famous for the uh, that that'll put a lot of butts in the seats. He basically just you know lost the Monday Night War for WCW single handedly. Oh, we didn't talk about the least favorites. Least favorite what? Uh, commentators. I thought that was simple. Okay, who's your least favorite? Okay, uh, Sean Mooney. And anybody. Exactly. Uh, Todd Pettengill and anybody. And I don't even know if he commentated any matches, but I hope he never does. Uh, Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone and anybody not named Jesse Ventura. <laughs> uh, you know, so if he was paired with like, uh, say, Bobby Heenan, he couldn't put Bobby Heenan over to save his life. Um, and any guest commentators. Shout out to Bob Euchre and Susan St. James. Uh, oh, that one time. Euchre. And then, of course, uh, if Vince is riding solo or Vince is like with a uh, you know a guest commentator, uh, didn't work, you know, because all you heard was "and here we go" and then and what a maneuver. That maneuver. Yeah. So you heard a shades of Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon, or Mr. McMahon later on with the water maneuver when he like got his voice like he would get him into the Irish whips in the top rope and what a maneuver. It was like, damn, Vince, just, you know, pick a voice. Why don't you use your inside voice, Vince? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Now. Yeah. What elements of that era would you like to see in today's wrestling? Since you still watch. You of course. You, you paid your two bits. I do. I do. Uh, six and a shave and a haircut. Um, no more bad guy authority shit. Um, it was cool when it was Austin versus McMahon or when it was, uh, you know, McMahon, the McMahon and Helmsley era or the corporation or the corporate ministry. It was cool back then. Uh, it was new and different. Now every wrestling show is um, let's all fight our boss and let's have the boss be like this, the, you know, the tyrant and everything. I liked when the authority figures in wrestling were actually just authority figures and nothing else. So bring back President Jack Tunney. Yes. You know, I don't and the care championship committee for real. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care if you gotta exhume his body, but put put him oh, back no. in his office and have the ruling from President Jack Tunney, and then everyone, every commentator would be, oh well, President Jack Tunney ruled this, and you know, they would have that, and you and know, they would have judges at the side at the at ringside too. Yeah, although the match was still called by a pinfall, but you know the judges would say, oh well, just you know. case it was a draw. Yeah, but that was a good opportunity to put celebrities in there or just people ra- at random or something. Even WCW had judges. Like, they had Jason Hervey at ringside for judging something. I was like, well, what the hell? What the hell? Why is the kid from the Wonder Years judging everything? Oh, what would you do if I sang out of tune? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Elbow drop you or something. Oh. Um, so bring back President Jack, Tony. Um, 
WWF has, does too much shilling uh, nowadays, or WWE does too much selling like during the actual calling of the action. So you're watching the match, and all of a sudden, you know, for nine ninety nine, you can get the WWE <laughs> app. Or download the WWE app. Like, hey, he just hit a nice elbow drop, and you didn't call that. What the hell? You know why? Because there's no spot. There's no report anymore. Oh, it used to be the they reports. had the WrestleMania report. Or the or the Royal Rumble report, or the King of the Ring report, and then you cut to the event center, and Mean Gene Oakland's there, or you know somebody's there in front of a bunch of TV monitors, or Lord Alfred Hayes was there, and they would say, "Oh look, uh, the pay per view is coming up, and call your satellite and cable provider today, or you know call your provider today and get that locked down." You had that one segment per hour, and that was your selling. So that's where you can do all that. Download the app and sign up for the network and call your provider and you know strap in your kids and you know, oh, lock shit. your strap in your kids. Yeah, lock your parents in the basement. You know all that stuff. Do it once per hour and stop the overselling. And you would sell more units because people are not thinking that you're just shilling to them all through the show. It's like a three-hour raw, and you're, they're using every minute of the show to basically sell the damn network. You know. People, less people are gonna buy the damn thing. I almost wanted to cancel my subscription when they did that 9.99 shit the other day. They're like 9.99. You know you can get this number for 9.99. Like yeah, it's been the same price all along. You know you're just desperate now. 9.99. You know. Oh, I just want them to bring back wrestlers and I mean managers and manager stables. They do. They need to bring that back. Because the yeah. Heenan family and and and. and Kevin Sullivan's people back in the day and uh, the Hart Foundation. Good times. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and you have managed you have managers in modern wrestling, but you had managers of all types back then. You had Mr. Fuji, uh, you had Sensational Sherry. Yeah, Kimchi. Uh, yeah, Kimchi, you know, for, for for Kamala, the Ugandan giant, which we didn't even mention at all. You know, he's gotta be on some kind of list somewhere. Yeah. Uh you know, so you, you, he's on the SISM list. Yeah, he he's on the SISM list. You know, shout out to bananas on your stomach. <laughs> tell us, uh, will you tell people that story? Yeah, yeah, we were hanging the other day. I was telling you that story. So um, Jerry the King Lawler was basically the um, he was the first guy to paint all the uh, symbols on Kamala because he's a, an artist, so he carries paints with him. So uh, back when Sugar Everett Harris decided he was going to be Kamala back in Memphis wrestling, he had Jerry the King Lawler paint uh, the stars on him and the moon on his stomach. And so one day, you know, uh, Kamala's just standing there and Jerry the King Lawler's painting all the stuff on his, his, his chest and his stomach. And he looks down and he goes, hey, Jerry. He's like, well, yeah. He's like, I got to ask you something. He's like, shoot. You know, you paint all these stars on me and you paint my face and everything. He's like, yeah. Why do you paint a banana on my stomach? He said, that's not a banana, that's a moon, you dummy. <laughs> so, and this was after him doing the gimmick for like months. Like, I think he's like six months or almost a year. All this time, he thought he had a banana on his stomach. Like, so so he was calling, trying to call him out on SZA. Don't, don't fall for the banana in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> so, banana in the stomach, folks. Um, but... What was I gonna say with managers? Yeah, bring that back. Another thing you should bring back: outlaw the closed fist. Um, oh, should listen. I talk about my running on Twitter with referee Charles Robinson? Yeah, you, almost, you almost got taken care of. You yeah. Got... <laughs> um, 
the closed fists used to be it used to be you couldn't do it like you know and wrestlers would do that closed fist punch and jesse the body ventura who is great about the rules hey referee he's using the illegal closed fist get in there referee you know or a mcmahon that closed fist is illegal he should be he shouldn't be able to get away with that mcmahon and so i grew up with that you didn't do use the full closed fist or if you did you got the four counter or whatever out the corner but now I watch wrestling, and this is not just now, but like The Rock and did this over the years in Snow Cold. It was like boom, boom, punch, 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 a kick, and then a move. Punch, 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 close fist, close fist. So you're talking about The Rock's um, entire moveset? His entire offense is just punch, 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 and then the people's elbow and rock bottom and end of the match. John Cena, punch, 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 then the five moves of doom that you can't see me with the close fist, with the, the five knuckle shuffle. So that shouldn't even be legal. At some point, you got to disqualify people for that. So I'm watching a match, a, a recent match, and referee is Charles Robinson. It might have been a Raw or something. So I tweet him on Twitter. So, you know, the at, at the WWE Charles Robinson or whatever. And I go, sir, uh, are you going to call that a legal uh, closed fist or not? Is this still not wrestling, sir? You know, just being a smart ass. And, you know, so I close up my Twitter for the night and I figure wrestling's over or whatever. Check overnight or check the next morning and he replies. I guess he gets back to the locker room and checks his tweets or whatever. He goes, closed fists have been legal in the WWE for years. And he puts years in all caps. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you shut me down, homie. Yeah, he really gave me the business, Wally. He did. He gave me the business. I was like, Lil Nate really just put one over on me there. He told me. Lil but then, Nate. But then I wanted to check the history books and find out at what point did the, the J- President Jack Tunney rule that the <laughs> closed fists were legal in pro wrestling? Because I don't remember closed fists being legal. Are legal foreign objects legal now? But then again, they are because ECW and everything else. And, you know, and shout out to New Jack. Not the city, the wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shouts to using cheese graters and pie plates and shit like that. And uh, trash cans. The good old days. Yeah. But so bring back the closed fist outlaw. And then bring back uh, Lord Alfred Hayes giving the promotional consideration uh, paid for by the following. By the following. Yeah. Um, I got a couple other questions that I want to ask you. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save those for a little bit. Because we're going we're gonna to hit the break. Uh, as they say in uh, radio, uh, we're up against it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're running out of time, folks. Fuck. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and uh, fifth. All right. After this. After the One of the wildest species ever to stalk this planet was the human animal. Wild and cunning enough to discover the essence of animal attraction, a scent that turned fear into fascination. Now, Cody has bottled this primal essence. Wild musk oil for her, Cody musk alone for him. One touch, there's a thousand quivers. Cody Wild Musk, use it before you stalk. Welcome back to the show. EDP, Eclectic Discussion Podcast, um, Eclectic um, Dragon Screw Pile Driver. Uh, <laughs> what a maneuver! 
here with Classic. We're talking uh, WWF superstars, and that's 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 a big deal. But right now, it's time for the fifth. One, two, three, four, five. Time for the fifth. All right, sir. You ready? Oh man! And I got to think about all the times that I've played the fifth, and all the things I've had to do that have just ruined everything in my. <laughs> So how are you going to screw up my life this time with the fifth? It's not, it's not even. That's not even the thing. This is this is about to be so much fun. Okay, let's do it. Um, Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> that is it. That is correct. All right. <laughs> Question number one. Um, we we remember the Rocky Wrestling uh, era and the, uh, the cartoon. <laughs> if they tried to reboot it, like they do everything. With today's wrestlers, how would you cast it? All right. Well, my first uh, response to that is, isn't that what Slam City is? I don't know so, what Slam City is. Oh man, it's a, it's a, it's like some claymation animated series with the wrestlers doing basically doing daily jobs. So like John Cena is an auto mechanic, and Kane is like a you know a, 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 he's like basically a lunch lady, so he has to wear a hairnet. So they just have to take day jobs because the wrestling is over or something. But anyway, um, if they're gonna do it with today's wrestlers or recap, re, or reboot, or whatever they want to call a remake, uh, obviously your your good guy's gonna be like John Cena, Daniel Bryan. I would have Rey Mysterio out there because Bo, he can so Bo, Bo. Um, Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter uh, for the uh, patriot patriotism. Oh, so they're gonna be the good guys. They'll be good guys because uh, on the bad guy side, you'll have Rusev and Lana. Uh, also, Big Show on the good guys, and uh, for the ladies, you'd have to have either AJ or Paige, whoever's good at the time, and Naomi. Just Naomi. Uh, yeah, that would that would that would be uh, some good artwork. Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot, a lot of a lot of curves and uh, break break out your protractors, folks. <laughs> and compasses. Yeah, gotta, gotta have them curves. Um, and then for the bad guys, you'd have Orton, Kane, uh, Triple H, and Stephanie would be bad guys, uh, like managers or something. Alberto Del Rio would be a bad guy. Cesaro, Rusev, and Lana. Uh, Great Kali would be a bad guy going up against the Big Show. Um, and then either AJ or Paige, whoever is not good, and Tamina. Tamina. Yeah. Tamina Snuka. She would be like this muscular chick, like China was. Okay. Although I, although I like Tamina, I, I I think she's great. But you know, if you're gonna have a cartoon or rock and wrestling, I want to see her in it. And plus, it it continues the uh, Superfly Snuka tradition. Oh, it's the legacy. Yeah. Oh, and the Usos would be good guys. Sorry. Oh, get them off of it. I don't want them on any screen. <laughs> what, what do you have against Samoans? Everything. I'm I'm a Samoanist. Oh come on! But I don't even like the enough. I don't even like the Girl Scout cookies. Oh man. <laughs> um, look, question number two. Were you Team Trefoil? That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> All dosy do everything. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who was your favorite manager not named Bobby alright um, all time uh, Jim Cornette but he is not in this era so from this era in the WWF with honorable mentions to Jimmy Hart Classy Freddie Blassie Slick and Captain Lou Albano mm -hmm. I've got to give it to the man who's under whose tutelage every wrestler <laughs> has to fall under the incomparable Mr. Fuji I could dig that. I like Mr. Fuji. I thought we, I thought we were gonna go Johnny Polo. No, not Raven. Not Scotty. Not not, not him. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, even though he did manage the Quebecers to, uh, you know, a tag team championship, but, uh, you know. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, this is this is about to be very controversial. We're about to get, it's going to be some controversy going on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was Elizabeth a manager? You know what? He was. She was. You know why? Because, I mean, technically she was a valet for most of that in terms of what she provided in terms of services. But when Macho Man, Randy Savage, was got Elizabeth and selected her, he was trying to get, get the services of a manager. And that's when he had all the managers in the ring and they were all basically trying to giving their pitch. He was a, um, he, he was a, he was a LeBron James. Yeah, he made his decision right there in the ring. And it was like Bobby Heenan was there and Freddie Blassie was there and Food Mr. Fuji was, Jimmy Hart was there. All those guys with a, bless his Johnny Valiant was there. Anyone that was manager was there at the time and Macho Man comes out to the ring and like the, the hottest free agent or the hottest talent and everyone's like you should go with me macho man you can go to the top and he's like i made my selection and miss elizabeth comes down and everyone's like miss elizabeth who's that and she even gave that impression that she was a manager now she didn't do any managing all she did was basically stop macho man from like killing everybody he, and she, her yeah and her um but technically yeah because not only did she manage macho man but later on she managed uh hulk hogan yeah, and Brutus the Bar Beefcake at some point uh, when they went up against uh, Sensational Sherry, and I think uh, she came down to the ring with George Animal Steel one time, but I don't know if that was managing or uh, babysitting or whatever. Uh, yeah, she was re relaxing his fur. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Untangling the uh, hairs in his fur. Um, she was giving him new green tongue. She was, uh, you know, resupplying with fun dip too for his green tongue. Uh, Clarets. Uh. uh green gum you're just gonna give away all the secrets to wrestling today are I mean, he did it i shall say underscore fire yeah um question number three best interview segment not piper's pit um i would love to say the barbershop because of the window uh that uh marty Janetti was put through but i'm not gonna because bruce bar beefcake sucks brother uh, brutal the bar, the flower shop with Adrian Adonis was good, but Piper Pit came and wrecked. Uh, Brody Piper came and wrecked that because they were standing on Piper's pit. Honorable mention and shouts out to Brother Love. Um, the Heartbreak Hotel was terrible. I saw that once in Come uh, on. the first the year. Bro. And everything. Why do I want to see a guy interviewing people from a bed? Uh, That's the same reason why you want to see a guy in leather chaps and uh, dangly yeah. streamers. But if we're going to say the best one that's not Piper's Pit, I got to go with the Snake Pit. Oh. So much awesome stuff happened on the Snake Pit. I thought you were going to say the Funeral Parlor. No, because then you got Paul Bearer doing that. Oh, Undertaker! Oh, what do I want to do? You know, it's just, that was, you nailed it, though. That I know. I mean, you don't want to have to, you don't know what I have to go through to get that voice, so. I don't have to do that again. And hopefully, hopefully, question number five don't won't, won't uh, require me to do that either. So, but yeah, with the snake pit, yeah, Jake the Snake, it had rocks every. Basically, the snake pit looked like a very large version of a GI Joe playset from those commercials, <laughs> like when they shot uh, videos of the Joes in front of rocks and then canyons and shit. So it had that had a big snake in the middle, so Damien could just sit right in the middle, um, and it had like a grotto, so guests came through this big grotto entrance in the back 
through the rocks and everything so it was like it was like uh it was like uh the part of the zoo where they kept like all the reptiles and shit like you know you were basically you felt like you were in you know the mountains or something like land of the lost i agree with this i will allow this it's a great set piece if i could find the snake pit set piece kind of like how kramer found the merv griffin show set piece (laughs) in the trash i would host a snake pit from my house Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, I I guessed on that. I'd be, I'd be guessing that. Yeah. I cut a classic promo. cave. Be in the snake pit. You know, honky type honky tonk man might come and attack you with a guitar. You know, the he guitar. might play us. Uh, he might play snakeskin blues on your head. Or cold slither. Yeah, cold slither in the snake pit. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, synergy, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Um, All right, bitch. <laughs> can we? Can I curse on your show? Of course, uh, clearly you can. All right, uh, show. motherfucking dick pussy's not shit. Fuck you. Yeah, suck my dick. Bye bye. Hello, suck this and MF and kiss my big black stuff and suck it and stick it down your mouth. That's enough. That's enough smooth talk. Let's get to the next question. Um, question number four. All right, you remember. <laughs> George the Animal Steel, when he Take came... Take that, Rashani. Take that. Oh. Yeah. When George the Animal Steel would come in, and right before he lock up, he would do that hand whale. <laughs> you know, True. With the moment, one hand is up in the air, the other one's yeah. waving at you. It was like he was trying to catch brainwaves with, like, satellite transmission. Like, his that was his antenna for catching, like, uh, I don't know, something. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. for $10,000... They're gonna give you ten thousand cash, no taxes. All right. You have to do that every time you enter and exit a room for for, for six months. Oh shit! Hell yeah, I do it. But here's the thing: yeah. would I get like say a uh, two thousand dollar bonus if I yelled out mine every time I did it? Like mine, mine. Yeah, actually, uh, will I'll allow that? All right. So hey, twelve grand per. I'll do it. Wait, like, um, uh, here's Classy come in. Like, what is he doing? Mine! Mine! And then if you had turnbuckles in there, I would, like, just eat them and, you know, put put turnbuckle uh, peanuts all over. Yeah, stuffings all over the ring. <laughs> okay. What is he doing? Uh, um, a fifth and final question here. All right. Um, this is, uh, what would you rather? Would you rather get belly splashed by King Kong Bundy full speed as much air as he could possibly get and belly splash or have the fabulous moolah while alive (laughs) give you a completely 100% nude bronco buster what year are we talking in terms of Mula? Like, um, was this the year she fought Wendy, Wendy Richter? Or yeah, this, this like? is this is this is when she fought. This is when she was built like Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Oh my! Hmm. Face full of stuff. Now, is is uh, King Kong Bundy uh, fully clothed or partially clothed with this belly splash? Absolutely not. In, in both situations, no one has any clothes on. Okay, including you. Question number five, always with the nudity. How did Twelve Cow answer this question? Um, I think uh, I think he went with both. Uh, of course he did. Take that Twelve Cow. Um, hmm. 
let's see. Since homophobia was still running wild in the 80s, I'll go with the uh, moolah. Face full of stuff? Face full of stuff. <laughs> Face full of muff. Face full of Greek yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> homophobia. It's running wild. They should have had a, a, a red and yellow t-shirt with homophobia going across it. Don't give them any ideas. No, it's gonna show up on some website somewhere. And you, just, you just rip it off at every gay pride parade, <laughs> folks. The, no one's homophobic on the Eclectic Discussion podcast. The views expressed here, blah 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 blah. Nah, yeah, like uh, I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the message. We oh, want I'm sorry, ahead, folks. Uh, oh, sorry. oh man, uh, you know, it, in the words of Ray J, I hit it first. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what Ray J said. Only DJ Clue. Yeah, I can solve this shit. I got three of his tanks outside. We go back to back. <laughs> Homophobia, uh, back to back. Homophobia is running wild on eclectic discussion. No, it's not. Uh, you know what? There's what you no, gonna do? There's no right answer. <laughs> what you gonna do, folks? There's no right answer to any of these questions. Um, yeah, this, this interview's over. Um, listen, listen, that's, that's what we got right now. Um, um, my, my guest here has a lot of things going on, and he yeah. has some serious pluggage. <laughs> Hashtag. Whoa. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Running rampant. Uh, he has some serious pluggage that he has to do yeah, with that. Yeah, I do have some oh. serious pluggage. You know, it's, uh, only Imodium AD could solve this pluggage. Um, my, my friend, the, the, the floor is yours. Tell them tell all the stuff you need to tell them. BNGB, right. tell them your story. There it is. Um, well, I'm glad for, uh, that you could have me on the Eclectic Discussion Podcast. I'm actually happy for you that you've got a talented and uh, popular guest on your show to really just bring those ratings right back up to the rooftops where they were supposed to be. I don't know why you let Kwame just bring you back to the basement, but... Um, but shout out to all the, the guests on the Eclectic Discussion Podcast. Uh, shout out to all you listeners out there. Uh, you can, of course, keep up with me on Twitter at Classic Materia. Uh, you can see that in the show description, but I'll spell it for you anyway. C-L-A-S-S-I-C-K-M-A-T-E-R-I-A. Um, I'm also, uh, I've also got a podcast or two. Actually, actually, you to, don't. Yeah, I don't. I, we used to do a show together called the Cold Slither Podcast. That's dead. Um, you know, so rest in peace and uh, too soon and uh, way to bring down the room. But uh, you can check out old episodes of the Cold Slither Show at coldslitherpodcast.com. The site's still running and it's now a network. I'm a network executive. So uh, it's similar to the $9.99 for the WWE network. You can pay absolutely nothing, free $99. <laughs> Uh, for the Cold Slither Podcast Network and listen to some great shows such as Classic Team Up, where I interview people one-on-one. Hey, how uh, did that original um, theme song go? Uh, classic Team Up! <laughs> In your face. Uh, <laughs> um, the Comic Book Chronicles, our good friend Tim G and the Click Nation has joined up with our network, so the Comic Book Chronicles podcast appears on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, and the award-winning ever-popular Good and Terrible show with CJ and Beauty Jackson is on that network, too, so check that out. Listen to some great podcasting, if you will, and keep it locked here on the podcast EDP and Eclectic Show, because this is where all the good shit happens. 
like classic coming on for like the sixth and seventh time and just basically making this podcast great. Take that, Rashani. Oh shit, shots take fired. that. Take that, Slim J. I like Slim J though. I, I don't want to have her take anything. She's great. Well, everyone loves. Hi, Slim J. Hello. Yeah. What's going on? Babe? Uh, Slim J equals ratings, ladies and gentlemen. She does. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> anything else you want to tell the people? Um. Rick, Ricky Steamboat, Tatanka, Mr. Perfect, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Roddy Piper should have all been the heavyweight champion. They should have? They should have. No, they should not have. Especially Tatanka. He was so over. Watching WWF in 1993, he was like, he was great. The kids loved him. They were doing the chop in the stands and everything. The chop. Yeah. Um, but other than that, good good to be hanging with you again. Um, you know, and uh, I enjoy the show. Keep listening. Yeah. And Maffers. So, on yeah. that note, um, we're gonna we're gonna take a face full of Greek yogurt. <laughs> Get out of here! What you gonna do, brother? What a show. Another show in the books. It's always good going back to the 80s and, and talking the uh, WWF. I like I like when it's WWF. Nobody knows what the world, wildlife, fuck out of here. Anyway, uh, shout out to Classic for coming through um, and, 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 and politicking ditto with me and, <laughs> and, 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 and having fun. Uh, shout out to, to, to Mikey T and Slim J. Um, uh, previous guests if you haven't heard those shows go back and listen to them um make sure you go listen to the underscore fire podcast the back firing out joints uh every week until they go on another uh two three month hiatus um make sure you listen to that make sure you listen to the good and terrible and the comic book chronicles on the coast leather uh network um but before all of that shit you keep listening to me um all of that stuff is tertiary you listen to me, and then you listen to me again, and then listen to all the people I just gave props to. And, <laughs> and then listen to the old uh, shows, and then listen to them. Anyway, um, got more things coming. Um, if you want to give a thumbs up or a, a comment or a whatever on iTunes, if you can find it, or, or Stitcher, there's a way to do something on Stitcher, go ahead. Um, Tell tell people about it. Tweet it out. Tumblr and and do all kind of craziness. I appreciate it. Um, this is pretty much the best podcast you're gonna listen to. Production is crazy. I do it. Anyway, um, in, in the meantime, in between time, uh, oh, before Devin tells you, um, you might want to keep listening. There's more classic after uh, after the Jeffersons and Wrinkle Pussy. Um, but until then. <laughs> Devin, he didn't hear me say say that. Devin, appreciation. Appreciation.
And with your wrinkled pussy, I can't be a lover. <laughs>
I'd be the first wrestler to wrestle in a turtleneck. You would be the first. You gotta have, you have to have like a sleeveless turtleneck. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you get off your butt and do something with your life? A sleeveless turtleneck and your uh, trunks gotta be corduroy. Yeah. <laughs> that corduroy shorts. There it is. A it's the start of fire. I'd be a wrestler out of the 70s. <laughs> um. Okay, so then we'll go with this. So the, the Power Driver album. Power Driver. They remake it. Yeah. What's the name of your song? <laughs> they grab them cakes is already taken. <laughs> uh, Girls in Cars is already taken. So it's a uh, fruity, tutti fruity. Shout out yeah. to Mean Gene Oakland at tutti fruity. Um, let's see. <laughs> My song would be called. Smack you upside your head. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it'd be like, kind of like, it would be like, it would kind of sound like Josh Soul Bro, but except it would just be smack you upside your head. Okay. Yeah. Because that, that's, you know, like everyone's mother would say, I'll smack you upside your head. And that's what my trash talk would be to my opponents in the ring. I will smack you upside your head. And when, and when you actually do it, that's what the, the commentators go crazy. Oh, and it would have that rap near the end of it, like it's it, you know the, that part of the song where they uh, they do the call outs to different things, and they would just they like like, like, uh, the, like with the butt. Hulk Hogan, smack you upside your head. Jack the Snake, Bob smack Orton. you upside your head. Bob Orton, smack you upside your head. Dun, 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 dun. Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, smack you upside your head. But you always gotta have that one that they call like Elizabeth. No smacks. <laughs> no smacks for you. I'll see you later. <laughs> no smacks. No smacks. Plenty ahead. Oh, oh too soon. Too soon. If she comes out to the ring in some uh, some tights that has no smacks across the ass. No smacks. Cheryl Roberts. Cheryl Roberts. Judy Bagwell. Oh, on a pole. No smacks. No smacks for you. That would be the that would be a smoothed out R and B version of the song. That would be like the R and B remix of the song. No smacks for you, and that would be like a dedication to all the ladies in pro wrestling. <laughs> It'll no sound smacks. like the beginning of um, Oksana's uh, <laughs> entrance music. With the with the with the, the saxophone or whatever. Yeah, the, the sexy sax. You ever notice how similar um, Val Venus's music uh, is to the model Rick Martel's music? You know what? It's like it's. It, I think it's, they they just add a a couple more tune, couple more notes. Yeah, a couple more chords or notes on the saxophone to it. Jim Johnson's a damn genius. Okay, I'm gonna do some either or. All right. You pick them. Tito Santana, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, Ricky Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Davey Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid. Um, Dynamite Kid. I agree. Um, even though, even though he did train the and inspire the Family Killer. Oh no! How dare you? Um, Don Morocco, Hercules Hernandez. Oh, Don Morocco. Okay. Uh, if for if for no other reason than Fuji Vice. Oh, damn right, Fuji Vice. <laughs> yes. It's great acting in that. That was incredible. Yeah. Um, Although Hercules did have the slavery chain, so you know. Oh, 
slavery was also running wild. Yeah, but Don Morocco did um, hang Ricky Steamboat uh, from his neck uh, after a match one time. Oh. A lot of lynchings in wrestling. <laughs> uh, Roots three. I know. A one man gang or Big Boss Man? Hmm. Big Boss Man, hands down. Um, Nikita Koloff or Iron Sheik? Mm. Uh, Iron Sheik. Yeah, I guess you got to say that. You got to do that. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Perfect or Rick Root? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Because they were both members of the Heenan family. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't get into the Million Dollar Man either. We didn't at all. Oh, man. Ted DiBiase. We'd be remiss. Yeah. Rick Rude. And Virgil. Um, Let's see. You know what? Rick Rude was barely, if ever, a good guy. So I would say Rick Rude. Okay. So Jake Roberts or Million Dollar Man? Um, Jake the Snake. Um, Hey, you remember um, when the Million Dollar Man was going to jewelry stores to check on his uh, Million Dollar Belt? Yeah. I mean, that was so much hype just for the belt. And the reveal was it was worth it, too. It was. It was like, damn. <laughs> if you had belt, that is dope. Exactly. It's like if Scrooge McDuck had a championship. <laughs> That's Scrooge, how it would look. The Scrooge Belt. Like, like he went to the money bin and came out with a championship belt or something. Like that's kind of how it looked. It looked right out of a cartoon. But Somebody has like, to get on that artwork. For real. <laughs> the dollar belt. Um. Let's go with Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Um. It's tough because even though Bret had that best there is, whatever it will be, Shawn Michaels actually did more in wrestling. Um, but if we're going by who was, uh, you know, hot at the time, um, I'm going to go with Bret Hart. Because uh, Shawn Michaels was a piece of shit back then. Oh, you just didn't like the bed. Yeah. I didn't like the bed. Um, I actually rooted for Marty Jannetty. So it was like, when you put him through that window, I was like, oh, man, that's fucked up. Marty's got to get his revenge. And, and he didn't until years later. And then he started hanging around with Diesel and dressing like a, you know, just he, he started dressing like a chandelier or something. Yeah, that that was that he, was just terrible. He started dressing like he was an extra in one of those Madonna videos. <laughs> you know, like, are you wrestling or trying to justify your love? What are you doing? Oh, no. Look at the unit on that guy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage or The Undertaker? Ooh. Damn right, ooh. Yeah. Hmm. I gotta go with Macho Man. Damn right you do. And here's why. Uh-oh. The Undertaker didn't start becoming legendary until much later in his career. Like, even people go get give the streak all this credit. I mean, he beat, like, Giant Gonzalez in those matches for the streak. He he he. That was the the hang of the big boss man counts part towards that streak. So he started. He was beating some. He beat some decent people, but you know there are low points where the Undertaker. It was like just the Undertaker was the main guy, mm-hmm. 
in pro wrestling, whereas Macho Man fought like the best at their best and made even guys that, you know, even in later in his career, he was making guys look good. He, he, he made Diamond Dallas Page look like a freaking superstar. He really did. You know, he told him, I'm going to take your diamond cutter today. He like, just like that, you know? You know, he put over Crush. And yeah, he was always in character. He was. Even he, like, there's no way to know that the camera was on you and he was still in the background doing shit. And yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, he was always doing something like, you know, hyping the crowd and always doing something with the, the hands and everything. Um, even behind commentary, mm-hmm. like when they did Monday Night Raw and stuff, and you'd see him like posing to the crowd and getting things riled up and everything. It was like, man, and, and he wasn't bad behind the mic either. We didn't talk about Money Inc. Oh yeah, I mean, because we talked about the uh, Erwin R. Scheister, but yeah, nothing about the Million Dollar Man. But they were a good tag team as well. Money, Money Inc. or uh, the Varsity Club. Yeah. Hmm. Money Inc. Because they actually had championship gold. I know the Varsity Club might have won a title too, but I don't remember anything other than the jackets. The oh. Jackets. Yeah, and the Steiner brothers were around in '93, but they don't really, they're, they're more WCW than anything. So, um, man on a mission, <laughs> <laughs> or the or the Bushwhackers. Whoop! There it is. Or uh, hey, lick you in the face. Um, shit. The Bushwhackers weren't as annoying. The Bushwhackers was way annoying. Yeah, they were, but they were fun. Man on the Mission, it was like the between the colors that do rhyming. That's uh, the the, uh, the fake version of Two Big MC, and, and and just the just the 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 lack of actual wrestling that they did. Oh, it was no wrestling. It was nothing. It was like at least the bush and the, the bushwhackers used to be the sheep herders. So I mean, at least you knew where they were coming from. Men on the Mission, it was like, hey, we're just gonna try to get more black people to watch the show. And this was the early 90s, and they just went for the lowest common denominator possible, which was, whoop, there it is. Let's put purple and teal, because that was the colors of the 90s on everybody. I mean, like, everyone wore Charlotte Hornet colors back in the 90s. So, what, so um, and uh, anybody who's listening knows that uh, Classic has a keen eye for gimmicks clearly inspired by Vince McMahon. Can you, can you run some out? It doesn't matter the era. We can go oh, away the attitude. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh. What was it giving by Vince McMahon? Uh. The Man Mountain Rock, the thing with the guitar, that was Vince McMahon. That was clearly the Vince McMahon gimmick. Uh. The Red Rooster was a Vince McMahon gimmick. Gobbledygooker, uh, obviously. Um. I want to say that. Okay. Yeah. Golga <laughs> was a Vince McMahon. A Golga. Doink the Clown was obviously a Vince McMahon creation. Like, he was like, you know what this, you know what we need here in the World Wrestling Federation? We need more clowns. We need a clown. He's gonna, he's gonna throw water on you. Glitter. He's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. I, I think every pitch of a character by Vince McMahon is like that he's gonna puke pitch. What if we had Go Doink the Clown and he had a, he had Dink and Tink and they were clowns and they just, they, they, they did wrestling. <laughs> like, what the hell, Vince? What's wrong with you? Bastion and Booger had to be his. Yeah. What if what if we had somebody that was... His name was Bastion Booger. And he had boogers. And he, <laughs> just, he had boogers. And he just ate raw stuff. And, you know, before Monday Night Raw. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm sure Shane and like Stephanie were scared as shit of their father. Like, what's wrong with him? Why? Why is he like? Why does he have like multiple personality disorder every time he talks in the same sentence? Yeah. Does Linda get this in the bedroom? Like, hey, Linda, let's uh, get in the bed and let's do it. Let's pull back the sheets and scroll. Like, oh no! Oh no, Vince! <laughs> you know, there's this new drug on the market called Viagra. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yes, there, there were some that were just obviously Vince, and then the ones that were great were not. Like when Stone Cold Steve Austin came in, he was the ringmaster. I could see Vince going. You know what we should have? We should have Stone Cold. We should have Steve Austin come into the WWF, and we'll make him the ringmaster. Yeah, he's a master of the ring. He's a master of the ring. So yeah. that means also uh, Diesel. Diesel. Adam, Adam Bomb. Adam Bomb. Adam Bomb was pretty dope, though. Mm-hmm. You know, from Three Mile Island. And he had a... Uh, like how George the Animal still had the green tongue, he had the red tongue. Yeah, um, yeah the fire... Jolly Rancher fire sticks. Yeah. Was that uh, Duke Drozzy? Duke the Doctor. That's definitely a Vince McMahon gimmick. Any gimmick that was, like, basically a job. <laughs> IRS was a tax guy. Tax guys don't wrestle. Why are garbage men wrestling? The Repo Man. The Repo Man. You know. Who else had a job? Uh, yeah. The Dusty Rose, the American Dream. He was the son of a plumber. He was the common man. So basically, Dusty Rhodes was a. Uh, he was like that handyman that uh, he wasn't licensed, bonded, con- or, or, or anything else. He just showed up and like, uh, what you need fixed? Uh, I mean, if Joe the Plumber could have been a wrestling gimmick, Vince McMahon would have made that so. At one point, that's what um, Steve Lombardi looked like. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the plumber's crack and everything. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, everybody had to have a job. That's a great name for a finisher, by the way. The plumber's crack. The plumber's crack. He hit him with the plumber's crack. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to picture that maneuver, though. What a fantastic maneuver. <laughs> Jeez, Vince. I mean, damn, you could have went to, like, the Mike Tenay School of Wrestling and, like, called the actual moves. But thank God for Jim Ross. When, Jane, when JR came on board, he started calling actual wrestling moves in the ring and stuff. And, you know, so he lasted years. Oh, uh, we didn't talk about this, but uh, Jerry the King Lawler. I hate him, though. He was a terrible commentator. Great heel. When he came into the WWF and he did that thing with Bret Hart, um, basically the first King of the Ring, Bret Hart won the King of the Ring. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler proceeded to come in and beat the shit out of Bret Hart. <laughs> he, like, took a, took the, his crown and his scepter and, like, just beat him with it. And it, that was like one of the first, and this was back when assault didn't really take place as much in wrestling as they do now. Like now, every week someone's beating the crap out of somebody else after right. that belt. Back then, it was like, you know, um, someone would start getting beat, and then like guys from come from the back, like the the jabronis from the back would come, or uh, the officials would come with the you know the coats and the suits, and they would stop it. You know, mm-hmm. stop this. Get the, the the locker rooms out to help them, in, you know. So I mean, the locker room did come out for uh, Bret Hart, but this was after Jerry the King Lawler like was just he like hit him with the crown, hit him with the scepter, he choked him with his cape, and this was after Bret Hart then beat like six or seven guys in the tournament to win the King of the Ring. So then later on, it was the uh, kiss my foot angle where they had a kiss my foot match. 
remember that at all. Oh yeah, um, Jerry the King Lawler uh, cut a promo from inside of like a horse stable. He was stepping in manure, and he said he wasn't washing his feet for like weeks. What? Yeah. And so he would have, and so when they did the match, he had his shoe. And I don't even know if this was in '93. It might have been like '94, '95. But this, but he and J- and Bret Hart fought, had a feud for like almost a good year and a half, two years. You know, which was awesome. Hmm. And it was like the kiss my foot match, and he was gonna make Bret Hart kiss his feet. And he, basically, the loser had to kiss the winner's feet, and Bret Hart won, and made Jerry the King Lawler kiss his foot, and he took off his boot, and his foot was like green, and yeah. brown, and. And made him kiss it and everything, and it was like uh, so. Instead of kissing Bret Hart's feet, he made him kiss his own foot, and it was just terrible. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, Jerry, Jerry, Law- Jerry Lawler is meant for wrestling, you know, not for commentating. I mean, the whole thing with the puppies and him acting stupid and shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's him making the most of a bad situation and doing it for like twenty some odd years, but he really needs to hang it up soon. You know what this means? What? We're gonna have to do a, uh, a attitude show. An attitude era, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we gotta talk about the uh, headbangers and the uh, and, and the Beaver oddities. cleavage, yeah, yeah, Beaver cleavage and uh, you know, uh, BB. Uh, oh, Barbara Bush. Girl. Yeah, Barbara Bush. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. China. Uh, we gotta talk about Kai and Tai and how they almost uh, you know, cut. severed the situation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way you put it. Yeah, and the, the greatest uh, out clause or the greatest uh, explanation for how to get out of how how to get out of a precarious situation of all time. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that was great. Yeah, we, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so that yeah, that's what we're yeah. gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> leave Cassidy. Yeah. We're gonna uh, make sure we hit all of those. Um, yeah, that's a wrap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>